Welcome to Create School Radio. Let's head back over to St. David's in Greystones to see what the students there have to say in their podcasts. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Rising Bodies podcast with myself, Kyle and Tim. We're going to start off the podcast with a game of underrated, fairly rated and overrated. Let's start off with Dominic Shabazzlai. I'd say he's fairly rated because he's coming to the Prem at 22 and is already rated quite highly by fans, which I think is fair. I'd say he's fairly rated also. Personally, I would say he's overrated. Last season he played well, but doesn't have the stats to back him up. For me, six goals and eight assists in 31 appearances just isn't enough to put him on the category that Liverpool fans do. As a midfielder, I don't think he should be rated on goals and assists. It's not like anyone is comparing him to Modric. I wouldn't call him overrated still. Let's move on to another player that just joined the Prem. For me, Hoyland is underrated. He's a young player with a lot to prove and I think he has a lot of potential. I think Hoyland is overrated. I think around £65 million for a player with 9 league goals and 32 matches in the Serie A isn't good enough for a striker. Yeah, I think he's overrated. He's a solid player, but he doesn't score enough goals to be worth £65 million. The next player up is Yao Felix. I think he is very overrated and should never have been worth €126 million. I think Felix is underrated because he still has the potential to be one of the best in the world. He showed that in Benfica and Atletico Madrid. Playing in a poor Chelsea side made a lot of people forget his abilities and he's shown them again this season with Barcelona. For me, Yao is perfectly rated. He's clearly a good player with a bright future, but he hasn't shown his full abilities on the pitch. Hello everyone, my name's Arna Lee and welcome to GA School. On this podcast we'll be discussing all things GA. On today's episode we'll be talking about our top 5 underage LGFA teams in County Wicklow. Number, at number 5 we have Blessington. Blessington were in the under-16s semi-final this year and sadly lost to number two on our list. They were undefeated throughout the whole champo until this final. They have an unstoppable forward, back and midfield line with their star player being Robin Brennan. At number four, we have Ontoker. Ontoker got to the semi-finals this year also in the under-16A champo and were also in the junior quarter-final this year with most of their adults team being on the under 16 panel. Their coach Stephen Fox is also the manager of the under 15 development squad with the new transfer Bavian coming in from Clonagall. They were beaten by number three on our list. At number three you have AGB, Arcloud Geraldine's Ballymoney. They're a solid team with most of their players being on the county team. They have advanced to the under 16 A championship final who and they'll face number two on our list. They got to the under-14 semi-final last year, but were defeated by number one on our list. Their star player, Farron Wallahan, has gotten two consecutive red cards in quarter-finals and semi-finals in the past two years. At number two on our list, we have Tina Healy. Tina Healy are notorious for having a wonderful women's team and panel throughout all the all-ages. They have the most women's title in Wicklow and are under 16 and are also in the under 16A championship final this year where they will face AGB. They were in the under 14A final last year and they lost number one on the list. At number one we have Aerog. They won the A championship final under 14s last year 
Beach Championship final under 16s and the junior final last year. They're in the junior final this year with five of their players being from the under 16 panel. They're also in the under 16 A shield and are, have one of the best management panels in the all of Wicklow with Shay, Johnny, John, Barry and David leading them and strength and conditioning coach John Lane. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast and I can't wait to see you all next week. What's up, dog? It's time for Senan's Angels here for Urban Legends Feet, the one and only D-O-double-G Snoop Dogg, R-G-F-C-N. For proof here, he is saying Senin's Angels. Senin's Angels. Here are your other hosts. Callum Faley. Senan Brown. He spits paddock. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Senan's Angels. My name is Senan, and today we'll be talking about Urban Legends. I concur. We all know Urban Legends aren't real, right? No, no. See, Bigfoot's obviously real. Bigfoot is not real. No, 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 Senan's onto something there. Bigfoot is a large and hairy human-like creature that is said to roam the forest of North America. There have been thousands of signs of Bigfoot. Bigfoot isn't a hoax. He just hasn't been properly discovered yet. All the sources are wrong. The sightings are irrefutable evidence. There are photos of him. He's obviously real. You're joking, right? Bigfoot isn't real. He's just some guy in a gorilla suit. People have proven that he's not real. See, that's where you're wrong. People just haven't opened their eyes. Why would a person walk around in a gorilla suit? That's stupid. Bigfoot is a humanoid, so he would walk... He would look like a human in a gorilla suit. The story of Bigfoot wouldn't be so well known if it was fake. I see what you mean now. He's real. See, Senan always tells the truth. He wouldn't lie. Bigfoot has just been proven to be real. It's sort of, guys. Bigfoot is now real. Have you heard of the Headless Horseman? <gasps> the Headless Horseman? That sounds scary! Yeah, I've heard it before, but it can't be real. The Headless Horseman is betrayed with a pumpkin, often a jack-o'-lantern, while riding a black horse. This story goes that the Headless Horseman is the ghost of a Hessian soldier who was decapitated by cannon fire during the Revolutionary War. Local lore claims that the Headless Horseman is buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Sleepy Hollow, New York. The legend says the ghost tethered his horse to graves in the churchyard, only to set out at night in search of his missing head. He is said to seek revenge and take the heads of those who have wronged him. How could some guy survive being decapitated and be able to ride a horse while carrying his head? It can't be real. Yeah, you're wrong once again. Nobody would make up a story that's fake. It's so outlandish that it has to be real. And it's so cool that it has to be real. Guy that rides on his horse with his head in his hands? Bad ass. This story is literally in a book and a film. The film Sleepy Hollow is Headless Horseman. And it's the... In it... Films are based on stories, and the films aren't going to stories aren't fake. You can't be serious. Star Wars didn't happen in a galaxy far, far away. Jurassic Park is a real place with dinosaurs. All these films are based on true stories, so the Headless Horseman must be real. Must be. No, so Star Wars is real. My life is a lie. I love Star Wars. This next one isn't very well known. Ooh, mystery. I like mysteries. Who are you, Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo is a dog, stupid. The Loveland Frog is a legendary humanoid frog that stands about roughly four feet tall. According to various legends, the creature was first sighted by a businessman or a travelling salesman driving along an unnamed road late at night in 1955, with some versions of the story specifying the month of May. 
In one story, the driver was headed out of the neighborhood when he spotted three figures stood erect on their hind legs along the, s- the side of the road, each three to four feet long, or about 0.9 to 1.2 meters in height, with leathery skin and frog faces. In other versions of the story, the creature were spotted under or over a poorly lit bridge, and one held a wand over his head that fired a spray of sparks. Oh, the poor driver! Frogs cannot grow four feet tall, and there's no pictures, it's just a written account. They can't be proven fake. Humans don't usually grow to eight feet, po- eight feet tall, but some do. It's a big frog. Frogs are real. We've all seen a frog before. Maybe the man was exaggerating, but it is a big frog. It must be real. Genetic phenomenons happen all the time. I see what you mean now. He's real. Yeah, I know. Yo, it's me, Snoop Doggy Doggy Dog. And thank you for listening to our epic podcast, West Side. Never back down. Never give up. For the meme, the dream, the stream, and the A-Team. billion was the financial cost of the World Cup. However, this is no match to the human cost. Over 6,500 migrant workers from India, Nepal, Pakistan and Bangladesh have died since the Qatar won the right to host the World Cup in 2010. An average of 12 migrant workers died each week since 2010. They died due to the dangerous labour and having to work in extreme heat, topped off with the fact that they were severely underpaid. The government of Qatar gave the families little to no compensation for the losses of those loved ones, refusing to even pay for a burial ceremony or even transport the body back to the family. In 2010, Qatar started a building project for the World Cup. They include seven new stadiums, new roads, public transport systems, hotels, a new city and a new airport. Countries such as Germany, France and Spain boycotted this World Cup. After all of these deaths and injustices, it's my duty to inform you all about it. Hope you've learned something from this today, and make sure to check out the next episode. Thanks for your time. Hello everybody, and welcome to Superhuman Sports, the podcast where we discuss feats of human endurance, strength, skills, and balls. today's episode, we will be discussing the first ever ski descent of K2 Mountain, Nicaragua Range. 
Oshino Callahan's victory in Snowshoe, West Virginia, at the UCI Mountain Biking World Cup, and the ridiculous tourist culture emerging on the world's tallest mountain. So I've actually never been skiing in my life, so it's hard for me to comprehend how difficult this is from a skiing standpoint, so I'll pass you over to Jake, who knows a little bit more about the topic. Well, Dagan, this is an amazing feat from any standpoint. K2 is considered to be the hardest mountain to climb in the world. Just to climb up K2 in itself is an impressive feat. This impressive endeavour was completed by none other than the Polish ski mountaineer Andrzej Balger. So he actually climbed the mountain. He didn't get dropped in by a helicopter like they sometimes are. Yeah, so he actually climbed the mountain and it took him four days to do so. The descent itself took a little over seven hours to complete. Imagine that. It's fair to say he truly is superhuman. Now on to our next topic, Oshino Callahan's victory in Snowshoe, West Virginia. Dagan, tell us more about it. So, Oshino Callahan is an Irish mountain biker and he's after winning the UCI Mountain Biking Championship of the World in the Snowshoe, West Virginia, taking it home for Ireland. Well, it's not surprising the Irish man has won it. He deserves it. Too right, Jake. So, our final topic we will be discussing today is the ridiculous tourist culture emerging on the world's highest mountain, Everest. Yeah, I heard that people were queuing up the side of the mountain, Dagan. Yeah, they absolutely are, and it's truly ridiculous. People are paying between 50,000 and 100,000 euros to climb the world's highest mountain now. It's nearly becoming a tourist culture. Yeah, I believe that some people are doing it because they can, rather than they want to. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I think it's taking away from the experience of those who truly want to and have been dreaming about it for their lives, training for it, and whatnot. I personally think that Nepal government should stop issuing so many permits to climb the mountain and that it should be kept for people who are more experienced and who want to do it more. So we're out of time now. Thank you for listening. And you have been listening to Superhuman Sports. My name is Caitlin and welcome to my top five bucket list items. So these are things I want to hope to accomplish in my life. Uh, I'll start at number five and work my way up to the thing that I want to do the most. So number five we have going scuba diving with sea animals like turtles and like manta rays and stuff. Just imagine scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef with fish and manta rays. That is definitely bucket list material for me. So moving quickly on we have number four. Uh, we're going to Bali. I'm going to visit the travel the world when I'm older and Bali is definitely one of my top places to visit because of the nature and the beaches there. The rainy season is supposed to be really bad, but I'd still love to go just remember to bring my raincoat. Um, so at number three, we have bungee jumping. You know, I would be absolutely terrified. It's something I've always wanted to do and I'd love to experience in my life. And again, moving on, in number two, we have the Northern Lights. This would be an amazing memory and experience and I would really love to see them. I don't mind where, Scotland, Sweden, Finland, wherever. I'd just love to experience that. And finally, the top item on my bucket list is living in New York. I've been wanting to live there forever, but for a year or two, I'd love to experience the city that never sleeps in all seasons. Okay, that's the end of my list. Thank you for listening, and come back next time. Well done to the students in TY4D in St. David's and Greystones. Tune in next time for more student podcasts.